1: welcome to the gridiron show we are taping this on a wednesday afternoon in a baking british isles which is very unusual i'm ollie connolly your host the editor of gridiron the proprietor of the read optional newsletter and i am joined on the line by
0: irish michael our producer who is here to co-host the show today michael how are you Irish Michael. I have to say, folks, it's not as warm where I am in a Ollie at all, but uh, a pleasure, Ollie, to be on today. All right, we're going to go through it. Initially, we
1: thought we'd look at teams who could do kind of a bengals thing, where it would be a team that came from nowhere and kind of had a shot at either making the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl, whatever it was. Um, as I went through the teams, I was like, I'm not quite sure there's anyone who really fits that model, unless there's a weird thing that happens in Jacksonville, that exact model of, you know, the glorious young quarterback puts the team on his back, basically. So what we'll do is we'll go through the teams who didn't make the playoffs last year, who have a shot at, at winning the whole thing uh, by the end of this. There's some really interesting teams. We kind of picked three each, um, but my picks are the pick teams I don't actually think will do this, um, except for maybe one. So we'll just go through it and navigate through them. Is there anything going through this initially that jumped out to you? I would say for me, the teams who on paper, you know, we've just done the annual. So as I've said before, I have so many takes on all these teams and I'm so in the weeds on what I think these teams will be at a time in the year when everyone else is on holiday, essentially, that I'm all fired up about it. And as I went through and I like, I really like, obviously, what the Ravens have put together. Everyone likes what the Ravens have put together. And as you go through, you go, what, the Broncos, Russell Wilson's a new addition, the Colts, the Matt Ryan situation. These teams are all in the AFC. The AFC is so unbelievably stacked. And I know we all know this. It goes eight QBs deep, right? And really, we should be saying, well, who is the NFC team Because that's such a small slither of teams, Rams, Bucks, um, Packers, basically, unless you love the Cardinals. And yet I still kept coming back to these AFC teams being so well constructed
0: and thinking they've got a shot, but it's just a murderer's row once you get to the the AFC playoffs. The AFC is probably the most realistic thing to the Avengers that we're ever going to have this year. It's just insane. Uh, Yeah. Like you mentioned one team there, the Broncos, and I will probably talk about the Chargers as well. That AFC West, for example, someone's going to miss out. At least one team will miss out there. And who is going to miss out? It's been a season where multiple teams have made multiple moves and it's really shifted the, the plates in a, lot, in, in a lot of ones. I like your selections that you're going to talk about today. I'm confident for two or three of mine. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Jaguars later on, I guess. <laughs> uh, the, the thing with these, these AFC teams is the, all the
1: off-season winners – are the ones you love but you're gonna have to bump someone out mm. and the one who would be the standout who could you knock out would maybe even be the bengals which is a bit silly because if that defense which they kind of scotch taped together last year and all those guys had career years essentially outside of trey hendrickson and they've read on the offensive line which is the big deal right and yeah that's probably the team you could see maybe drop out The Titans possibly that was the number one seed in the AFC last year I forgot that seven times writing the Titans passage in the the thing I was like oh shit yeah they were the number one seed in the AFC I don't think they're very good so it's a it's a strange one I guess we'll we'll start with the Ravens um who the big thing with them obviously it's they're an unusual we're out last year they have a chance this year because they're quite clearly one of the best teams overall on the afc they had so many health issues and injury issues last season they overhaul the defense essentially lamar jackson will be back and we hope can play a full season and if lamar plays a full season as good as the ac north could be Watson obviously suspension pending i, I do think that as an overall team is slightly better than the bengals
0: I was at the Ravens-Packers game last year, and whenever I was researching ahead of, you know, obviously the magazine and this podcast and the new season, you almost forget this Ravens team started 8-3 last season, and they were not lucky at all with injuries. I like the way they're set up because if you look at the rest of the division, like, okay, there's a whole thing with Sean Watson there in Cleveland. You said it previously there, the Bengals could have a Super Bowl hangover. The Steelers... OK, anyone could be an upgrade on a whatever age Ben Roethlisberger quarterback and they've got the talent there. But you feel as if with the, like adding Marcus Williams, adding Morgan Moses to start off, the, the, the Ravens really have a chance of, of going for this division. They're definitely in a better place than they were last season. The one if for me, Ollie, is, you know, they didn't really rely on wide receivers in the draft. Are they going to rely on Mark on Mark Andrews heavily? A guy that had nine receiving touchdowns last year. You know, okay, they've got Bateman there as well. Do they look at a wide receiver now, uh, maybe a veteran wide receiver, and try and get someone in? And um, there is that heavy reliance, and you've got that shadow as well of Lamar Jackson and his contract situation. I enjoyed watching Huntley play. I just hope, Ollie, <laughs> they don't get to the point now where they're sitting and they're a point down and they go for two again, because I just can't take it anymore. And actually sitting in Baltimore watching that was was heart-wrenching. But uh, I think they're definitely up there for, for that division. At the minute, I've got them personally finishing second. I've got the Bengals winning uh, the North, but who knows what's going to happen? It's
1: interesting A lot rests on two players on that team. Williams, you mentioned there, who is the best free safety in the league. Um, I've been writing about him today, actually, for a piece that should run tomorrow on the Read Optional. And I will say this a lot through this podcast, because I've been writing a lot about these teams recently, because these are the most interesting teams in the league right now. The ones who didn't make the dance last year, who could win the whole thing uh, the upcoming year. Williams is so important for everything they want to do defensively, which is night and day different most likely than what Wink Martindale did last year now the new DC Mike McDonald was on the staff before he went to Michigan but he's just more of a bland let the players play guy than Wink Martindale was and Martindale was just undercut by injuries at the end obviously but Marcus Williams is when you have a dominant free safety which is what he is that is the biggest force multiplier of any position in the league, including dominant interior pass rush, which obviously transforms everyone's defense too, because you can just constrict so much. You allow the second safety to play top down and drive from depth really early in the rep, which if you go back through the Saints tape last year, which is what I've been doing to write um, for tomorrow, their numbers, the tape, it is insane how active they are. One at the line of scrimmage and then second with having the two deep safety shell, which everyone runs now. And that second guy, Malcolm Jenkins, flying down so early in the rep to really cloud things up. Most teams can't get away with doing it that actively and that quickly because their free safety isn't good enough. So that, that has a chance to transform everything for them on defense and just make everyone better. And then you mentioned Bateman, who, I'll say it again, I wrote about, I wrote about this last week, right, in a, in, a, in a mailbag piece for the read optional, more looking at how difficult it is for the Ravens to build a true passing attack because of how unique the run game is. And you'd almost wish they did it, had a different run game to run a true modern passing game to unlock everything in the passing game. But that would be silly because they have the best run game in the NFL basically over the last 25 years. It is so outrageously dominant that it would be daft to, to throw that thing away. What they need more than anything is Bateman to be a one-on-one killer, mostly on the backside of plays where the defense has to set more resources to him. And by doing that, everything else will, will kind of clean itself up. I'm not sure. I mean, we, we did a, a podcast earlier in the off season with a, with a great Ravens writer discussing this and all the pieces are in there for Bateman to be really good. And when he came back from the injury by the end of the year, as he was hitting his stride, Lamar was out the team, right? So we haven't really seen them have a ton of chemistry or connection together, but I, I'm bullish on him. You know, if they could get Odell, obviously I'd do that deal, but I don't think this is a team. I've seen a lot of writing about like them losing Hollywood Brown is somehow a loss. I, I just don't see that at all. What this needs is Bateman to be at least an above average typical perimeter receiver. And if that happens, given how, every, how special everything else is, then they just have the perfect formula as a Super Bowl team, which is
0: they can play ahead, they can play from behind,
1: and that's what you need.
0: It just seems like they're almost, for me maybe hedging their bets a little bit by having Andrews and Bateman there and not having that sort of pure backup to an extent. You've got maybe uh, James Prosh the second there as the WR2 on the team. And I don't know, man, like if, if history says anything for this Ravens team is, is you're going to get some sort of injuries. Every team is going to have an issue with injuries throughout the season. And if one of those guys, God forbid, was to go down, you sort of wonder. Bateman needs to really prove he can work on his consistency. Can he get open in Greg Roman's scheme? Uh, in a scheme that can really lack sort of create yeah, a concept. Fry your brain yeah <laughs> it's it's interesting i think the one thing i'll say for like the ravens ollie like the gm um the costa probably top two top three in the league and the way that he has set that organization up you feel as if they can attack any situation i think they should go out and get adele do i think odell Beckham will go to baltimore that remains. I think BC. he would they're definitely a, they're they're in a really good they're they're in a really good position, but a big disappointment last year, Ollie, the way that ended up so.
1: The Odell one is interesting. I think he would do that for a year with Lamar. I think him and Lamar mm. are really close. It's whether the Ravens will do it. You know, Connor Rohr had a great piece in Sports Illustrated last week, which flagging something I hadn't spotted from afar, because obviously everything I do is nerdy and X's and nose, and I often forget the salary cap. Um the way they've deployed their cap is they just will not pay any of the perimeter positions. And you go through, it makes a ton of sense. They've never well, not this team they've built is they've paid a premium for all the non-premium positions they pay a tight end they draft a center they draft a safety they sign a safety and free agency right they don't give orlando brown the left tackle money they don't give big money to a wide receiver they'd rather trade hollywood brown away they've not given big money to a cornerback they have said we want to be the best at every other position in the league we're going to get top three top five guys at all of the other positions, and then we've got this special fella who'll make the the premium positions better. Now, one is the safety on one side of the ball, obviously, and then Lamar on the other side of the ball. That is a really fascinating way to construct your team. So I do wonder if even then even an ego play of like we think we've cracked this special formula because no one else is doing that in the league. No one is paying safeties, no one is paying centers. That they want to pay the left tackle, they want to pay the wide receiver, obviously even the ego of we don't need Odell because we're doing it this cool, different way. And and it's fascinating. And I understand what you're saying about um, depth and injury. What is interesting is where they're really crucial outside of Williams and Jackson. I actually liked some of the understudies. I don't think there's that much of a decline, even where they're really good in the interior, of the offensive line. I don't think there's that much of a decline from the, the first spot to the second spot. The only problem is the health of all those secondary pieces, because that's where they were decimated last year. That trip became a horror show. And Mike McDonald coming in, his entire playbook is built around, we are running bump and run coverage all the time. And if you don't have the depth of cornerback, because those guys go down all the time throughout a season, everyone knows that, then you're in trouble. So I, I would even, if I was them, canvass the, the corner market, see available in preseason for some, some salary cap dump type trades.
0: If they can just get to the 11th of September and not have injuries like Gus Edwards or Marcus Peters for, for the whole season already, that's probably a good thing for them. I know you were massively in and Kyle Hamilton in the draft and they had a really, really good draft. The fact they got Hamilton, Lindebaum, and David Ajabo with the first three picks that they had Crazy. In the draft, it's unbelievable. So uh, it's going to be an interesting season. And I, for one, am here for the Lamar Jackson contract talk, his agent talk, which, or his non-existent agent, which starts right now. Maybe, Mir, you could represent him at some point. Oh, uh, please. I mean, I I saw that
1: report this week and it was accurate or not report, I should say, opinion. Was it Jacina Anderson? I can't remember. I think many people in the media for some reason have made fun of the no agent, but really for him now it is walking in with the Watson contract saying add a zero somewhere or add 10 to one of these numbers and let's get it done. Deshaun Watson's agent, as grubby as that situation is, and is gross from every angle and every level, uh, did the negotiation fall on Mark Jackson, which is, hey, I've not been accused of all this disgusting behavior. Can I have 10 more million on this fully guaranteed contract too? Steve Bashotti, the owner of the Ravens, must have been weeping the second that contract went down. And the thing for them is, Someone will give him that contract. So it's not even a negotiation. Miami would love to give him that contract tomorrow. And I know there's the franchise tags and the Ravens fans get all upset about the franchise tag. Lamar Jackson is not playing on a franchise tag. Franchise quarterbacks do not play on franchise tags, right? They'll sit out a season if they have to. So um,
0: negotiation's done. Give him that $245 million fully guaranteed contract, I say. I guess with a cap exploding over the next few years or expected to heavily increase, it's something that will happen quickly. But look, it could be something we could be talking about pre-draft next year, Ollie. And who knows after the off season that we've had so far, anything can happen. So the next team on our
1: list is the Colts. Another fascinating one, another season of a new quarterback, Matt Ryan. You go through what they've done and I've still, for the life of me, do not get the the Rock Asin trade for Yannick Ngocque. I'll never get over that. Um, and I don't get the Gus Bradley thing. No offense to Gus Bradley. His defenses have not been good for a long, long, long time. He's been left behind, essentially. And all the talk out of the Colts is, no, he's going to keep a lot of the Everflow stuff and he's going to adapt this year. And maybe he does, and maybe that you know can spark something for them on defense, but I just don't see it necessarily with this team.
0: I think you almost have to go back a second. I When researching the Colts over the last few weeks and months, I still think back to that game in Jacksonville and think, wow, you know, Frank Reich is, is living in borrowed time here. No, but seriously, I still can't believe that happened. And the fact that they went nine and eight last year and missed the playoffs with the team that they have and the defense that they now have is, is, is intriguing. The draft process, Ollie, where they didn't make a selection until the second round and Matt Ryan comes in. I guess the question is, and I know you talk with Gus Bradley there, but even looking at the offense from my sort of point first off, can Matt Ryan come in at his age and with his experience? And, well, apparently he's quickly sort of got to know the offense, got to know the franchise, got to know the team. He's, he's impressed so far in Indianapolis. Can the Colts, first off, win that division? A, a, a really interesting division because we talked about Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen this year in terms of his performance. He's under pressure if Matt Ryan can sort of gel that offense together quickly and if they make a good start, it's interesting. In 2021, they lost four out of the first five games. In 2018, they lost five out of the six, first six games. So it, it would be interesting to see how Matt Ryan gets on. But if it works on the offense, this team could go far because the defense, Ollie, is, is nuts. I mean, like Darius Leonard, Stephen Gilmore, Kenny Moore, he Pay. it's... The, the the players that they've brought in over the last couple of years on both sides of the ball is just unreal if it works.
1: The thing that's tough for them, I, I take your point. The Matt Ryan thing, I mean, that is a pretty easy to learn offense anyway. Mm. I'm sure you'll have it all down and what they have run everything's out of his hand really quickly that suits him really well he was unbelievable last year in surrounded by a tire fire in atlanta it was (laughs) insane how good he was and was not given any credit for just taking the beating he took and playing as well as he did so getting him in a ball out of your hand quick system makes a ton of sense what is what is going to be tricky for them all that they do is predicated on the run game right it's everything is an action flowing off the run game they were so dominant with the run game last year They finished first in EPA in the league, which is just a measure of efficiency basically per play by a factor of three to the team that finished second, right? The goal from the second team, the goal from them to the Seahawks in second was the same as the goal from the Seahawks to the 12th team in the league. That's how much better they were than the second best running attack by efficiency, and by value in the NFL. That is nuts, and that is not replicable. You cannot do that year on year. That just doesn't happen in the sport ever. Not even Derek Henry, as valuable as he is, has ever done that, uh, been so dominant by that factor over multiple seasons. And maybe they, I think with the talent they have, they will at least be a a worse top three uh rushing attack by efficiency and value next season which is great and what you need is ryan then to elevate the other aspects of the game that carson wentz could not do to offset that and all that sounds well all that sounds good and really all you need to do is win double digit games and finish ahead of the titans this isn't like the other divisions in the in the afc right it's just head to head them versus the titans maybe a frisky jags team that that's just about it and if you can beat them once and win 10 11 games you're in the playoffs. The thing they need desperately is a second receiver somewhere to elevate. That offense is not going to do uh, the, the the yeoman's work by itself to spring receivers to allow Matt Ryan to play on time on every play. They need someone other than Pittman, who's a borderline star, to elevate so that when it's really tight and it's second and 10 and it's third and medium and it's go time, someone else can get off man coverage one-on-one. And I'm looking around and I'm just not seeing who that player is going to be.
0: It's another situation where you could maybe bring a veteran in. You mentioned there about Jonathan Taylor and, and in terms of the rushing attempts that that team had last year. This could be a year where he breaks 2,000 yards uh, rushing, like easily. What, 1,800 last year? I remember watching the Patriots game, I think it was, and literally you sort of just knew what play was coming before it happened. So now they actually have the option of getting the ball downfield and you're not wondering what Carson Wentz is going to do every five minutes the potentials there. Gus Bradley, uh, he was with the Chargers and then with the Raiders. Do you think there's going to be an issue short term, Ollie, with maybe him coming in and getting used to this defense? Or do you think it's that stack that he should be okay? I mean, well, if you said I- you weren't a fan of the move. It's a tough one because he runs such a specific
1: style of defense, which is that old Seattle match three system, basically, which it just does not work in the NFL anymore because people figured out how to attack it. And that's why everyone's moved to this Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley, two deep Tampa two based system cover seven, essentially. Um, mm. uh, he has made noises. Like he's going to adapt to that because you just cannot keep running what he's been running over the last couple of years that is pretty hard to do. I, I always admire a coach who says, I'll learn what you guys did. Cause it seems pretty successful as opposed to saying we're running what, you know, a doctor now who says we're running what I run. Cause I'm smarter than everyone else in the room. And there's crossover from all these schemes. This is the NFL. They all run about 12 coverages. <laughs> that's, that's the NFL. They don't run a lot of complex stuff in the NFL, really. Um, so we'll see. I just I don't see the organic pass rush unless Pay has a monster season. And you could see it last year, but that leap from I think he had 38, 39 pressures last year. So that 40 mark, which is okay to good, to the 80 mark, which is the elite mark, which is a Miles Garrett, a Khalil Mack. That's where you have a four-man get off and go dominant pass rush, which I think this group, because I think it's pretty weak on the back end. I don't love this group on the back end. I'm not quite sure about Gilmore with Gil. Bringing in Gilmore and bringing in who who is with Gus Bradley in Las Vegas, is every single red flag allure that he wants to run, what he's been running the last few years. Bump and run press corner, cover three guy, and his guy who plays the Leo role, which is his kind of like what he thinks is his fancy role up front for Yannick Ngokwe, who was dreadful last year in Vegas. That concerns me mightily. And I do wonder if he can fuse those two ideas together, what they did before, what he wants to do, whether he'll just pick one. That is the massive, I think, wait and see. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a pretty, pretty clear drop-off from them. I also wouldn't be stunned, you know, if, if, if they were just
0: as good, if not better. I didn't want to say it for the first team, but obviously the Colts, 9-8, and eight, and in the way that they didn't make the playoffs last year and in the way in which their owner was quite vocal on social media. Uh, what's your thoughts if like, if this team doesn't make the playoffs, do you think Frank Reich survives? Now oh either? yeah. Yeah. No, Frank Reich's done, which
1: is unfortunate because I think what he's, you know, his job. And I get he's the head coach and this is where it gets tough. I think his main skill as a coach, right. Is designing an offense. I don't even okay. necessarily think he's the best play caller designing an offense. He's excellent. Right. And they've never been able to quite get him the right quarterback. Maybe this is the right guy. So you almost feel like, well, the, the most thing you would want in a, for a team starting in 2022, as you've seen from all the hires, is a great schema of offense, right? That's what they're all chasing. They're all chasing their own McVeigh. So it's almost like, well, why would we get rid of one of the good ones? That almost makes no sense. It's the job of the head coach. So it's like, why did he choose Gus Bradley? That is a really odd choice for what that defense was last year. So maybe he's had a decision in his head like, I want, they were so passive last year, so bad, and we're passive. The, the whole ebb of Lou's philosophy revolves around being passive, essentially maybe he does want to be more active and he said i'll go get one of these guys and maybe he thinks the league will swing back around to that style and he'll be ahead of it somehow but that that's one where it gets to man he's really good at the thing he does but the job of the head coach is to help with everything and i don't think necessarily picking that coordinator was a good move and if you're the the owner and they don't make it again this guy is super impulsive um i I imagine it will be a wrap because you they can't keep changing the quarterback right that's not gonna happen
0: Especially when, like, I'd say Matt Ryan's looking at maybe two or three years. I'm really intrigued just generally to see what's going to happen in, in Indy. At the end of the day, them challenger for that division is going to push the Titans. It's going to be great to watch. You're talking about the McVeigh coaching tree. Mm-hmm. The next team is literally trying to do oh, that. Oh,
1: nice. I like Look at that. that?
0: Huh? Why? Wow, Who's the next team? Was it the Vikings? <laughs> the Vikings, 8-9 last season. Um, talked about watching the Packers play. Uh, against Baltimore in in Baltimore, unfortunately, Ollie had the pleasure of watching quarterback purgatory and Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings the following night. Uh, where do we start here? Do like do you genuinely think that Ke- Kevin O'Connell could come in? And take this team from eight and nine to making the playoffs. I guess in the NFC, anything goes this season.
1: Yeah, I think if you look at one of these teams to say they'll 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 almost certainly be in the playoffs. I think Minnesota's about it. I do really like that Lions team though, outside of the quarterback. So that makes it tough when you start doing the math of like how many teams can get in and what have you. The, the thing that he's got going in right is they had two ass over the off season, which was tear this whole thing down, and and reboot it and move on from Cousins and all that stuff, um, or kind of. Um, put all the chips back in for one final ride, be it with Zimmer, or obviously they moved on. Mm. But they've kind of straddled this middle line, which is they put all the resources into kind of reworking the defense. It was so old and creaky at the end of the Zimmer stuff, it was really mundane, which is so unlike Zimmer at the end of what he was doing. And they just went and got as many athletes as possible on defense, young, fresh faces who can zoom around and hit really hard. That's basically the profile of guy they went and got in the off season and then they bring in O'Connell who's part of this Ram staff who it's still really unsure what his exact job was with the Rams. Apparently he designed and called third down, which is interesting because it would be unusual for someone of McVeigh's control freak nature to give up the money down. That would be unorthodox, um, but maybe he did. I don't know. wasn't in the meeting rooms. Um, If he is it here, right to squeeze out five extra percent out of what is probably the most stacked skill position room in the nfc i mean we, we can quibble between them and the rams but it does not get better than jefferson Thielen, osborne cook if, if he's available and then and then cousins who cousins was really good last year The the thing with cousins is every time that he plays a national tv he shits the bed and it it sours the milk on every other game it's like he must be always oh, still Kirk cousins it's like no every other week he's was unbelievable last year i mean those guys are wide open so it makes life easy but um, when he plays on national TV, he's terrible. So I don't know that they, they have a massive boom or bust thing for me because I don't know what O'Connell's going to run. That's a real big open question. Does he run the earlier McVay stuff? Does he run what they ran last year in India when he was more involved, which was very specific to that those guys they had on that roster. So we can't really do that. He's got a great tight end of fullback in Minnesota. So you probably want to run more of that stuff. It, it's There's so many question marks, but you can see a path where – you answer all those things right where O'Connell gets a little bit of extra percentage points out. The defense has all these new young faces and some veterans who can kind of make the whole thing fit together and they have a great run and they get back into the playoffs. I think that's the one I can see the easiest of all these teams.
0: Kevin O'Connell, Wes Phillips coming from the Rams over to the Vikings. (sighs) Kirk Cousins is like Andy Dalton in the microwave for me. He's a quarterback purgatory. He's 59, 59 and two in the league, alley. It's like is that true <laughs> yeah it's funny I'll, I'll double check that but that is I mean it's the most bland record that, you, that you're gonna get I guess the hope there is they almost do what they done with Maffy Stafford in LA and they try and do it with Kirk Cousins I'm right in thinking Kirk Cousins is going into a, a contract year next year yeah so the time is now in, in that sense for the Vikings but I do agree if you can utilize Justin Jefferson um and He's led the league with over 3,000 receiving yards since twenty twenty. If you can utilize guys like that, obviously now KJ Osborne as well. There, the team has got serious potential. I feel for them because of the because of the, of the division they're in. Obviously, any team is going to get looked at every week in detail. But when you're playing the Packers, it's a difficult division to be, and they actually open up against the Packers as well. So it's going to be difficult for them. But um, I like it. I, I like the I like the new GM. I can't pronounce his name. Kawesi, Adolfo, Mensah. He's had, uh, obviously, two years as the vice president of football operations in Cleveland. He's probably happy he's got out of there now. I'd say he's ready for this role. So uh, super nerd. it's an intriguing he year. Is.
1: Yeah, he's, he's one of those computer super nerds, which I enjoy. Um, yeah, I, it's really interesting to see them try to play these two timelines at once where they don't want to commit to another Cousins era. They probably want to move on after this year, but then there's a chance here that he could play out of his mind with all those pieces around him. And then what do you do? That That's an open question. And the big thing is obviously, as we said at the top, the defense, how, how did those rookies fit in? Can you know, everyone gets excited around the draft about what these guys can be, but it's very rare that you start a season with like three rookies on a unit, unless it's pass catchers, essentially that the company you know rotating and out. So to think all of them would start would be a bit strange. They get Daniel Hunter back. One of the best pass rushers in the league. They signed Zedarius Smith after all the stuff that went on with him in Baltimore. So, I, I don't know I, I think that's a team that has a, they will have I think a wild year in which they like go into Lambo and win and then they just crap the bed at home to the Lions. They will be typical Vikings football, but I, I do think they're good enough to at least make the po I mean this everyone makes the playoffs now. So
0: I think they'll at least make the playoffs. I think they're lucky that they're in the NFC. Um yes. I, I personally think even if they get as far as like the, the wild card or the divisional and Kirk Cousins does ball out. I'd be very much against giving him a big race. What's he on? 35 million guaranteed at the minute of the year? Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: No, he, he's a guy who you never want to pay, but you're not sure who to move on to. That, that's <laughs> that's just the Kirk Cousins dilemma. You're like, do we really want to get into that rookie draft? What if those guys are terrible? Kirk is still at least okay. And it's, it was, genuinely was excellent last year with all his pieces. He just was terrible in, in, in the biggest of spots, but that's how that you win a Super Bowl in the biggest spots. You can't be someone who's just a flat track bully and not deliver when, when it's not crunching time.
0: I love how we haven't even mentioned Dalvin Cook.
1: No, is... well, I don't know what's going on with him in the suspension. So mm. it seems like um I forget who they signed last week. They signed someone last week, right? Which is a, a running back, which is a pretty clear indication that they was it Dante Foreman? I can't remember. Um it's a pretty mm. clear indication they expect some kind of suspension whether it's half a season or full season. I'd know it'll be a precedent with Deshaun Watson. I, I don't know what's going to happen there. So it's it's a tough one to even get into because you just have no idea um who's gonna be on the field. <laughs>
0: Who's up next? The Broncos are up next. Oh, here we
1: go. Yeah, obviously. Um, And the big thing, I mean, I I won't belabor this point because I've discussed it on here. I've written about it a ton, which is this Wilson-Hackett dynamic, which is really everything, right? It's like if those guys can gel quickly. The the thing the Broncos can't have, because Hackett runs that specific thing and because Wilson runs his specific thing and we don't know which one they're going to go with yet or a blend of the two. And typically you'd say, do a blend of the two, right? Find your own voice over the course of a season. And this is a team where you just look at them and say they redid the defense a little bit. Obviously, the offense will be so different with Russell Wilson back there than Drew Locke. You would say, okay, if they can just keep in the race by the second half, this is a classic second half of the season team, that would be the kind of cliche you would go to. And yet you cannot be a second half of the season team in the AFC West. If you get curb stomped in the first four weeks, it is a wrap,
0: right? It's, that schedule's difficult. I don't have it in front of me. But the last seven or eight weeks is brutal. And this is one thing. The team is going from four or five years of no playoffs. They've got a new owner. Uh, the Walton family's buying the team, subject to approval. There's all this stuff going on. And boom, Russell Wilson comes in. And suddenly the Peyton Manning era spotlights back on the team. They've got five or six uh, late games. I think there's a lot of pressure on this team. And I think there's a lot of what-ifs. And I'm not going to even start in Russell Wilson. For me, it's Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy Interesting. was drafted with the promise of being... Uh, an incredible wide receiver in this league, you know, heading to Canton before even his first game, almost. I want to joking, But he didn't score a touchdown last year. And he's already now got to the point where he's talking about, oh, this is going to be my year. I can feel it. Justin Simmons is backing him up. You know, it's the buck really stops. When you're bringing in like you know all these youthful coaches, Nathaniel Hackett, I wish I had a quarter of his energy. The buck stops this season. And if they can't get over the line, in that, like forget about the division. They should be trying to go to Arrowhead and win at the end of the day. They should be expecting to, with Russell Wilson, the quarterback. They've got those two games against the Raiders, or two against the Chargers, two against the Chiefs. For that team and for any team in the AFC West, they have to win those games if they want to get to the playoffs, never mind win. The AFC West. I personally think all you know, fans, going to be a massive miss for that team. Four touchdowns last year. Albert Albert Okuwebenen, needs to try and improve that. They brought in Greg Dulwich. and um, he's probably the biggest miss. And um, but look, Russell Wilson. I think the excuses have to stop now for all the Broncos fans that have been given off for years about we're a player away. They're probably not, to be honest with you. No, it's
1: weird with. I mean, I think they'll just be a juggernaut on offense. Uh, they're so loaded. Sutton, Patrick, you mentioned Judy. I think they will be dynamite on offense. Now, mm. whether they, they are with this dynamic of detail between Hackett and Wilson, whether they're kind of an every drive type offense the first year, I don't imagine they will be, um, but will they be a team that can just score points in, in, in gluts when they have the right planets clicking, I think that they they have an offense where they can go to anywhere and drop forty five. That that's that's what they have, and it's a very nice feeling to walk into a season knowing you can walk in anywhere and drop forty five. I the defensively is the, defensive the question for me because outside of Simmons, I don't think there's a real game breaker now like everyone i know randy gregory is a monster right speed to power menace you want that guy on your team how much will he play will he play when he plays his pressure rate i think it's like 12.5 percent, which is in the uber category of rock star pass rushes right will he be available then you get bradley Trubb, who didn't play much of last year right and then when he came back was terrible um he had what zero sacks? Is it? He had no sacks, right? I think it's It's under
0: one anyway. Yeah, it was
1: yeah <laughs> zero sacks. I think it was eleven pressures in seven games. Dreadful. That is a dreadful figure. And then you see with him just checking out, right? He comes back from an injury. He's not played the full season. The team isn't very good. Von's gone and he just checked out. His run defense was terrible. So I don't know if you can just magically engage him to say, hey, now we're a team who's going to play ahead and you can just tee off and go with Randy. You can see how that dynamic could be excellent. But if those guys, one of them isn't a true blue, super duper star every single week, and there's no evidence that they can do that every single week because one's never around and the other guy is just not being the player. He was supposed to be coming into the league. I don't think that defense can be good enough without Fangio sprinkling magic dust because he's Vic he's like Fangio over everything um, to keep pace with that offense. So it's funny because they were for four years, like you said, uh, they just got the quarterback and then they kind of timeline
0: themselves out to now, well, they kind of need more than the quarterback now. I still think that, 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 that there's issues on defense. Yeah, it makes you think, why didn't they do that in 2016 or mm-hmm. 2017 or 2018 or 2019? Uh, the team ranked third in points allowed a season ago. Uh, and you're right about you know in terms of talk about that defense since Miller and Miller's long gone now Um, he was a later fan favorite obviously Shelby Harris was a fan favorite he was included in that deal to Seattle oh Seattle I love how we haven't talked about the Seahawks yet I wonder why <laughs> Um, you're gonna have guys like maybe uh, Alex Singleton or maybe Jonas Griffith come in I think a lot of fans are hoping that Alex Singleton can maybe become that if not a leader a fan favourite and have Justin Simmons become an, an interior leader in that team I don't know look at the last three weeks for the Broncos Rams Christmas Day Chiefs and the last game of the season is against the Chargers for that division that AFC West schedule is incredible. And something tells me we'll be sitting, Ali on Sunday night on week 18, talking about who's losing their job on the Monday because one of those four teams... Well, Andy Reid's not going to lose his job. Brandon Sealy's not going to lose his job. I feel like we're already going to be talking about the Raiders or the Broncos in week 18 about what happened. Seriously, and it's crazy if one of them do miss out. The thing that they
1: have going for them ahead of everyone else, the Broncos, that is, is they have a truly elite cornerback and I'm looking at the rest of the teams in my head right now. I'm trying to think, various Ward left? JC Jackson is a certain type of cornerback. I'm not sure he's necessarily your press and trail stick him anywhere. Elite guy, although I, I do love him as a player. He, he is, the I, I'll say this, he's the best if you get him in the right setup and system, Patrick Sertan is a he's a different breed of player. That is just that is that is the one that you want. That's the one who's the six one, but he looks like he's six six, moves better than everyone else, and he's it's basically Marshawn Latimore when he was at the true apex of his powers three years ago, right? Of you just plant him on anyone, and then everyone else has a good time. And if you have a shutdown press corner on one side of the field and Justin Simmons, who is the rangiest guy basically in the league at center field, right? And then now you're covering both sides of the field pretty comfortably. No one else in that division has that at both safety and corner. The closest would be Derwin, Nazir, and then obviously JC Jackson with the charges, but they just don't play defense that way. And, and a lot of those guys outside of JC are hurt regularly. So uh, that, that for them going into the season in that loaded division, they have something to their advantage that no one else has in a division where they've all been chasing receivers and paying receivers.
0: It's going to be intriguing. and I feel like we always need to talk about the Chargers now because you've said those names. Yeah, uh, yeah, we, yeah. we haven't talked about uh, Garrett Bowles, who, who knows what's going to happen. He's been having trouble in, in, in training camp over the last few weeks. Um, the Broncos are probably the one team in this where I think they're boom or bust. Genuinely, I think it's... I completely agree with what you're saying about that offense and what could happen, but they really could, could be very be robust. I don't think... Like, a lot of those players aren't used to the pressure, uh, which yeah. comes with about six late games. We'll see what happens. I'm, Chargers, I'm not... um, they're interested.
1: Yeah, well, we'll just go lastly on the Broncos so I can get hmm. my my uh, prediction out, I guess, if that's what we're doing. Um, I, I stand by this thing that I don't think they will gel that Hackett-Wilson situation right away. I think that will take some time. And as you mentioned, they kind of have this strange opening schedule where they need it to gel and it might not and then it becomes a just monster through at the time when you would want it to so i just think that it's too many moving pieces in year one it's yeah. very rare that uh, quarterback of that level moves in year one and it's that good i know that stafford did it but that was a kind of unusual situation russell wilson isn't walking into, into a team that has aaron donald and jalen ramsey on the other side of the ball you know he's not walking into a team that has cooper cup and andrew whitworth a left tackle so it, that team was legitimately a quarterback away in a division that was winnable that this team i think not so much
0: i'll have a start as well in seattle that's their cup final that, that's their super bowl <laughs> yeah, one yeah. for them so it couldn't i mean if he goes in seattle and balls out I think the whole league will take notice, but they should be sitting free, you know, after three weeks. All right, then let's do
1: the Chargers. The darlings of the offseason, they might have the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, I'd I'd say maybe third right now, but you can make a case for him being the very best. And they did what they had to do, right? Which is something everyone's said ad nauseum now for years and years and years. You get the rookie quarterback. You get the quarterback on the rookie contract, excuse me, and you go and throw all of the money and assets on making everything around him so strong whilst he's on that market inefficiency deal. He is by far the top market inefficiency in the league. To have a like game-breaking, truly elite, could be the very best in the league quarterback on a rookie-scale deal is outrageous. And the big question mark will be, can Brandon Staley's defense finally rise to match what Justin Herbert can do basically on his own on offense?
0: Going back on the Colts a second, looking at the Chargers when we get team, I still can't believe that happened, like how they didn't get in. Uh, spoke to Tom Telesco last month and was really impressed on his outlook for this team, his opinion on Justin Herbert and the way that he sees his team going forward. Like, you know, for example, getting Jesse Jackson, what, five years, 80 odd million dollars, Austin Johnson, uh, Josh Harris, Troy Reader, Jared Everett, uh, it's not just herbert but it's steely's progression of this team. Um the red zone scoring percentage rose by nearly 10 points last year. Um, it's going to be intriguing to see how they upgrade this team. They've obviously got put the upgrades for the players, but it's now that sort of that evolution of Justin Herbert. Can he you know make himself more of a leader in this team and even better himself to the standard which he needs to be going into his next year in this league because they do need to get over the line in certain games. If they go to Malphi, if they go to Arrowhead, can they get over the line? You f- I felt last season watching them, especially when they were playing at home in SoFi, that there was times where you just, like I love watching Justin Herbert, but there's times where you felt they just needed that next level. I think they're close. If it's it's almost a little bit like the Broncos, Ollie, if they can just find that way of, getting around it and letting it all gel they can really challenge for the west there's no reason when you're bringing in guys like Calvin noy bryce callahan where you can't uh, challenge so it's it's definitely a team that's going to be exciting to watch this season yeah the, the big thing for them last year i mean one they had this
1: weird mid-season like midlife crisis why they didn't know what they wanted to do on offense they made it really constricted it's like hey guys that guy's justin herbert could we maybe let him throw the ball down the field every once in a while? He's really, really special. But the right side of their line was a sinkhole, right? So it's just like that they were panicked about him taking a giant shot because Storm Norton was terrible, basically. Um, the, the big thing is the defense, I mean, obviously last year, the worst run defense in the league, essentially, I was looking at some numbers today where, you know, they have this light box theory that we've, I know we've discussed on here a lot where they they purposely lighten the box so that they fo- ask you to, you know, they invite you to run the ball and the way you set up the light box, you just kind of torpedo the middle of the, the line of scrimmage and you make the ball roll off the table. And then everyone from the second and third level rallies to the ball is, is essentially the theory. You invite the run to shut down the run. Um. That theory works when you have Aaron Donald and all the guys Brandon Staley had with the Rams. Um, that theory is, is not as good when those guys aren't your team. Now he went out and got Joseph Day, who was the anchor of that defense when he was in LA. They obviously signed Khalil Mack. They've tried mm. to make upgrades there. And what's different now is, you know, they were in even contest last year with this massive, massive issue up from, whereas this season, I imagine they will be it more heading games and they've built a defense now to play ahead which is having both from mac obviously rush the passer bringing in jackson allows them to be a lot more malleable in the coverage department what staley did last season was' and what staley's done throughout his career is pick one thing week to week and lean all the way into it i remember coach Vass; we d- i did an interview with him for this podcast where they ran one coverage against the chiefs last season 19 times in a row you do not see that in the NFL it's basically we think this is the plan we're going to do it all the time. That's what Brandon Staley does. He doesn't run a lot of different things within a single game. Adding Jackson to their to, to what they typically do will give him just a wider coverage menu, where there are times when you have to adjust in a game and say, okay, our plan's not working. So I, I just like what they've done in terms of pairing Justin Herbert with a specific style of defense. Um, and then obviously they, they've done good work trying to get other pieces around him on offense too. So look, they they should be right now and for the entirety of justin herbert's career essentially in championship or failure type mode and i know it's a lot of pressure to buy a team and a 38 guy but they're that good there's no reason why they shouldn't be going into the season expecting to win the whole thing that there's nothing there that's overtly missing unless jc jackson becomes terrible outside of new england which is unlikely um so it's pressure and um i know they're the pre-season darlings and the off-season darlings and those teams usually end up coming up well short and this team could still come up short because you got to play in the playoffs to know what it's like to play in the playoffs right that's a typical thing is you you do like the rams Did you get in you lose you get to the super bowl you lose and then you finally punch through um but they they should be in the mindset of not being like one of these teams where they could have like a cinderella run it's that they should be expecting i think to win it all
0: yeah that's that's the expectations that win the west and go on with it all it mm-hmm. goes through it was through LA as far as they're concerned. You know, the thing about their run game now, it's more diverse. They've got better linebackers, better corners. And you've mentioned the players that they brought in. It's there for them. It's about really about, as sort of what I said there, can Herbert take it to the next level? And it makes me wonder again, why the hell did Russell Wilson come into the AFC West when you've got this <laughs> situation in LA, is a mad Kansas one. City and, and, <laughs> I, and Vegas?
1: It's... And I know that the, the Broncos claim they never spoke to Aaron Rodgers I'm not having that. I, I mean, I am I get that the claim would be we never spoke to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers' intermediaries, I'm sure, let teams know who he would maybe be interested in moving when he was having his, his Mopathon for the last 24 months. Um, I imagine he sat there and looked and said, there's no way I'm going into that thing. And I, I hear all backs, Clancy was big on this one about how great athletes don't think like that. You're thinking like a writer and not like a great athlete. I'm, I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers was thinking like, yeah, mate, that seems really hard when I get to just hammer... Bears and Lions four times a year for the next three seasons, basically.
0: I almost feel bad before we finish off even bringing this up because we've talked about such team, like for example, the Chargers, they're in a Mm -hmm. great position. Do we even, do we mention the Jaguars? It's worthwhile. I mean, they're the closest comparison,
1: as I said, at the very top to what would be Mm. the Bengals of doing it. I think it's a fascinating team. You you just remove all the shite of the crap culture of the Urban Meyer era, and you drop in someone who is a football professional, in Doug Peterson, right? And as much as Peterson had kind of like ups and downs with the Eagles, obviously winning a Super Bowl was a, a big up, but there was a lot of questionable stuff that happened too. He's a really creative, outside the box thinker who I don't think you can pigeonhole as saying, oh, they did all that RPO stuff with the Eagles, and you know that's what they're gonna run. I mean, this was Andy Reid's uh, lieutenant for all of Andy Reid's career, basically. So all that stuff Reid has built, which is basically 25 years of little bits and pieces to build this monster he's built with the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, which is just things taken from every playbook in the league. Peterson has all that too. So I think we're going to see some really cool, quick, similar to what we described with the Colts type offense, plus this kind of deep vertical passing game, which would get the most out of Trevor Lawrence. And I I love the defense as a concept that they just said, fuck it, get as many athletes as possible. We don't care where they play. They all play the same position. They all play all the invaluable positions, but we're going to go get those guys. Similar to the Ravens, we said, right? Go and get the best invaluable pieces and we'll pay for the, the premier pieces when those guys become available. So it's fascinating. I still think they are obviously a couple of years away. And, and when you say the structure of our defense is going to be one of these moving, free flowing Cardinals type ones, but you're relying on five rookies to do that for you. Now that's, you don't win games in the NFL doing that. Those guys need some seasoning before they're able to to, to roam and move like those great Vikings defenses did of, the, of a few years ago. So we'll see, but I, I think they will be really, really exciting and fun this year, even if they don't win games. The Titans
0: on the Colts on alert there as well. Um, look, obviously Doug Peterson is an upgrade on Urban Meyer I think anyone is at this point after Ever and a Half and last year you could probably have a movie about that or write a book about the whole thing um, I like what they've done you know you bring in Brandon Sheriff he brings a sort of veteran presence to that team Zed uh, Jones Christian Kirk Evan Ingram they, you know, it's it's more younger targets that they can throw the ball to I guess it's going to come down and you can talk about the draft picks as well Um, but Trevor Lawrence didn't have an incredible first year disappointing first year he needs to now try and find himself in the second season develop as a quarterback and really take it from there but I think the reality is Ollie, you know the Titans and the Colts are better teams they are but if you get a bit of luck if you don't have any injuries if you get a bit of the run of the mill every few weeks and win some games they can pick it up who knows what's going to happen especially in that division Uh, they're probably a while off yet but look If Tannehill struggles, if Derrick Henry gets injured, if Matt Ryan goes down, you never know what could happen with Jacksonville. It could be uh, Blake Bortles in 2017 all over again. Who knows? Uh, It's a tough one because, you know, they had
1: the first pick in the draft. They take Walker, which was an admittance that they think that offensive line is good enough. And I'm not so sure now, maybe for the long term, I'm just not a Cam Robinson guy. They gave him that big extension, which is just bizarre. He didn't earn that extension. Every, I, I take that back. Every player plays in the NFL owns, can make as much money as they want. I'm happy for all of them. But his play was not commensurate with the contract they handed out to him in a hard cap sport. That's that's, that's the cleanest way I can probably put it. And I look at that and say, they don't have enough juice on offense. Uh, sai's been making this point throughout the offseason, too. They don't have... Ballers. They don't Christian Kirk is a shifty and out guy. Uh Travis Etienne is one of the quickest players who's ever played football, but he had a bad injury last season. And mm-hmm. We have no idea what he's going to look like returning this year. And outside of that, they've got some real slow guys playing outside, essentially. So it, it that sounds like a get the ball, rip it out, get the ball, rip it out. And we're, we're moving six, seven yards at a time, which is what Doug Peterson likes to do. So that kind of makes some sense. They just don't have these game-breaking burners to go and score you a touchdown from your own red zone essentially which you need to have splash points and explosive plays to win in the nfl and if, if if they weren't going to go and chase that or that wasn't organically on the team like they hadn't gone and got that in free agency like when they went and got kirk you need time then you need time to try and spring guys open through um, play design that's where I'm like, oh, man, I wish they just take one of those tackles. So I like Trayvon Walker. I Like I said, I love what they're doing with that defense. And that was a move, I think, with year th- four and five of Lawrence in mind. Let's get that defense figured out, and slowly we can add some speed for Trevor next offseason. I think that's their long-term game plan. If they wanted to have a Bengals-type run this year, they needed to go and get one of those tackles.
0: I guess the thing about Doug Peterson as well is he does get the most out of his quarterbacks. So by getting him into that, and he's got the experience, he's won a Super Bowl before. Maybe he could be that guy that helps Trevor Lawrence get to that next uh, level. I do agree with you. I feel like they're they're missing a couple of pieces, and it it just seems as if they could maybe fill that there. They could they could go up a level. Um, what's the one team from what we've talked about that you think can make the playoffs? like if you had to pick one team that can make the, but i think the,
1: the Chargers. i mean the Chargers should be representing the the afc in the super bowl based on the talent on the roster
0: are you calling it now L A L A la part you know. LALA? I'm, LALA. yeah la la i'll go I'll, for it but how,
1: you know it's funny when i was going through the um i was editing the annual last week and going through it and neil reynolds has all his predictions in there and i'm going through it and I, I went back to the rams page like four times because it's always you know um it becomes like day class A to pick the Rams because they're so expected to win and it's almost like a super team put together where those teams never usually win at all though they did last season and I'm just looking through it and going like god they are so unbelievably stacked it is unfair the commissioner should make a ruling that they're not allowed to bring Odell <laughs> back, even if Odell wants to. They should not be allowed to be dis- involved with any of these discussions from Dhamma Sue. They, they should not be allowed anyone else. In fact, they should only be allowed to dress like 40 players a game because they are <laughs> unfairly stacked at every other position. They are outrageous. So, I mean, would the NFL want anything more as they move all their media operations to LA and they sanction all, the, you know, they, they, they screw over San Diego to give this dodgy team to, to LA that doesn't want them yeah an LA LA Super Bowl um yeah I can get down with that more this year than I could last year yeah I
0: feel like I'm about to clip this up in about nine months time like, <laughs> Do you remember we called this you, you you've convinced me in the Chargers uh something i just don't know about the i don't i don't know about the ravens i don't know what it is but time will tell
1: time will tell i love that ravens team um all right that'll do it for this week's edition of the gridiron show make sure you go and check everything out we, we talked about a bunch of stuff that's being written on this episode all that stuff will be in the podcast description below give us ratings rankings sharings all that stuff we really appreciate it michael thank you for doing this thanks man